Well, welcome back once again to Rhythms of Grace. My name's Nate. I'm here with Sung Kim, the lead pastor of Grace Church. And we're sitting in a cold The heat is not working in the studio right now. It's a a brisk 49. (laughs) So I have my jacket and scarf on, (laughs) maybe my gloves soon. Yeah, yeah. You have like four layers on. I do, but I always wear four layers, so... (laughs) I'm actually, yeah, we're we're all right. We're all right. We'll make it happen. Whew, but season three is here. Here we are in yeah. season three. And uh, it's been a few weeks yep. since season two. Yep. And uh, like, how was the holidays and New Year's and how's life on the farm? Yeah. I mean, I will say I was just talking to somebody about this, but um, probably not surprisingly, I'm still the same person I was when I worked at the church. So all of the same questions that I tend to sort of, I labored under when I was working at the church are still a part of sort of my normal routine. Like, am I working hard enough? (laughs) Am I pulling my own weight? Uh, But uh, apart from that, I mean, it's been a really, really good, the holidays were great. I mean, we had a ton of family around, which is always so much fun. And, um, so yeah, it's it's been good. It's been good. I'm I'm surprised. I thought all I thought a change in circumstance would take away all my issues, Sung, but it oh, didn't. Well, there's that truism: <laughs> wherever you go, there you are. There you right? are. That's what I'm feeling. No, it's true. How about you? How are uh, how are your holidays? It was great. Like nobody traveled in, and we didn't travel out. You just hunkered down. Christmas was just our family. Mm. We opened presents, and we just. Did nothing the rest of the day. Nice. It was one. And, and then, <coughs> again, Amy comes from a Pennsylvania Dutch background, so New Year's Eve, we need to, we sh- we had to have pork and sauerkraut. Oh, my gosh. The whole nine yards. And, again, it was just us, and it, it was just a, a, a great time together. Awesome. Newest uh, information on the farm is that about a month ago we had a litter of piglets, which was super fun. Ooh. Yeah, man, those little things are, uh, they're growing like weeds, and they're super hardy. They're running around in the snow, and it's fun. It's been fun. I hear you you have names for them. You know, I try to I I try to keep the kids from naming animals <laughs> that are bound for the butcher. <laughs> but I was not going to win this battle. They were so, the, the piglets are so cute, and they were so determined. I was like, fine, fine, you can name them. <laughs> And we'll just deal with it. Let me deal with it. Uh, your daughter, who who stops by our house uh, during the week um, because of rides and other things, was telling us about all the different names. <coughs> and we noticed that they were just, they seem completely random. Uh, it does seem that way. It does seem that and way. And then I asked her, I was like, so you don't have a problem naming uh, this piglet knowing that you're going to be e- eating them at some point? And she was like, nope. Yeah. No, I mean, I really don't either. To be honest, it's not for my own. It's just I've noticed sometimes the other kids, w- when they get too attached, I, I don't really have that same issue. I'm just yeah. a little bit more pragmatic. Yeah, yeah. Although, I don't know. I was just thinking the other day. I was like, uh, they're awfully cute. Thankfully, <laughs> by the time they go to the butcher, they're less cute. So um, you don't have quite the same affection for them, probably. Yeah. While we don't raise pigs, there have been times when we're eating bacon or something, and I'll say, mm, Alice tastes really good, uh, and my daughter will kick me under the <laughs> table. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, season three, Sung. What are we diving into, man? So, this is going to be like the rated R season. Oh, jeez. Okay. Or maybe for some people, it's PG-13. Okay. But we're going to, I mean, you know, we're, we're diving into the Old Testament, and there's just a ton of things yeah. in there. 
like everything from violence to genocide yep. to questions about like rape and infanticide and incest and yeah. polygamy. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's just all sorts of stuff in there. And I think sometimes as Christians, we, uh, I, I mean, I've never been in a, you know, I grew up in church. I, so there are stories in the old Testament that I was never told in mm-hmm. Sunday school. Growing mm-hmm. up. You know, you hear about Noah's Ark. Sure. David and Goliath. Yeah, but you never hear that that Noah got drunk afterwards, yeah. and one of his son came in the tent and saw him. Yeah, you know, you, like you you don't talk about that. Nope. So, and, and I will say this: this is going to be a challenging season because e- even last night, I was thinking, "Oh my goodness, we're going to talk about all this hard stuff," and I don't have any notes written down. So uh, I, I literally turned off the light, went to bed, and I, I was like, "Oh, I got to get up and start writing oh, notes man. down," because you know that this is, these are issues that. I'm, I still process. Yeah, These are not like, hey, after this episode, all questions will be magically solved. Right. Because that's not the case. Right. Well, last season, we, you know, we focused on no easy answers, and this is going to be more the same. I yep. mean, it's Old Testament instead of New Testament, but r- in reality, there are a lot of really, really hard issues that are raised in the Old Testament. Yeah. I think one of the main, and the one I want to raise up today, too, is uh, one of the main questions um, and tensions that you feel in the Bible is how do you reconcile a loving God of the Old Testament and the harsh God of the New Testament? You mean the opposite? <laughs> loving God of the... <laughs> you fell into my trap. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Well, yes, that's how it's often heard. Okay. Right? Yeah. How do you reconcile this angry, harsh God of the Old Testament? Right. And then there's Jesus yeah. who loves everybody of the New Testament. Well, uh, and I just put that out there in the beginning, ju- and we'll come back around to this, but um, uh, we're going we're gonna to take a broad view of Scripture. And, and these stories are there of killing and violence and genocide and rape and all that. Um, but I think, I mean, obviously God, especially in the Old Testament, has a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if or when you read through scripture, what you see is, for example, and we'll dive into this, God in the Old Testament is consistently described as slow to anger and abounding in love. Hmm. In mul- not just one, pl- one. Right. I mean, multiple places. Yeah. Like at least, not like I want to say a dozen different places. Um, not only in Exodus, but in Psalms and Nehemiah, Jonah, like he is described primarily as slow to anger and abounding in love. The other thing is, in the New Testament, um, Jesus, talk, uh, Jesus talks about hell more than anybody else. Mm. Um, and seventy th- uh, about three-quarters of the time that hell is mentioned in the New Testament, it's right out of the mouth of Jesus. Wow. So, like, we can kind of narrow have a narrow view and say hey this one story is right. really disturbing and, and and they are yeah Let, let's just admit it there's yeah. we're not we don't want to sugarcoat this um but we don't also see kind of the larger context yeah no that's really helpful to remember because again you know we we can tend to believe that jesus uh sort of in some ways counteracted the 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 angry god of the old testament and right. yet here he is talking about judgment all the time yeah. you know and in the same way i think it's helpful to remember that the creation story 
uh, in Genesis was so markedly different from the creation stories of other cultures yep. that that really where where life was born out of violence or deceit or selfishness, and suddenly God comes on the scene and creates out of generosity and love and a desire to make things good. Yeah. So it is helpful to say, look, there's it's a full spectrum on both sides, yeah. really. And I think the challenge, especially in the Old Testament, is when you're reading literature that was written thousands of years ago, uh, we often think the Bible was written for us in the 21st century and that everything should make sense. Mm. And if you just imagine that, uh, let's say 2000 years from now, somebody listens to a podcast where we're talking about, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or YouTube making references to YouTube or like how much study and right. reflection would that require right like to understand yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's true for us too and uh, again i don't have all this figured out yeah. but this is a journey and exploration and i will say if anything while this won't solve any like won't re- remove any of the questions i think hopefully it'll give us a greater appreciation yeah Amy and I were just talking last week uh, about something that Richard Rohr, who I uh, appreciate is controversial in many, many circles. But one of the things that he um, said recently that we were talking about was that he said that a literal reading of the Bible is sort of only the should only be your first level. Sometimes we come to it and we say, well, there should be like we need to just whatever the word says, that's what it says. And like you're saying, written thousands of years ago with context and things like that, you have to dig into those to really understand what was being said. And sometimes the actual literal translation, when you look at it from a broader sort of historical context, cultural context, there's nuances there that um, do a lot to tell us about who God is and how we should respond to him. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you look through the whole testimony of Scripture, or, or let's let's talk, let, we'll just keep the Old Testament. You know, God does get really angry, mm-hmm. but he's also extraordinarily patient. Yeah. And, and we forget that. God does, something. it seems like he talks, uh, 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 well, uh, maybe uh, God's people live out and, and treat women as property, but God also selects them to be political and spiritual leaders. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it seems like God calls Israel to vanquish the Canaanites, but he also calls Israel to care for the poor, which is, again, really rev- revolutionary because mm-hmm. nobody really did that back yeah. then. All we can say is God is complex. Yeah. Yep. And we know that we as human beings are complex. Yeah. I mean, how much more is God an infin- infinite being I think I, I think sometimes when we when we think and again I, I thought this too so it's not like I, I haven't been on this journey but like we think oh man why is the God of the Old Testament so mean mm-hmm. it, it, it's almost like capturing the you know let, let's say in a course of a week like the one time I got really mad at my kid yeah. at my son is like you know like why why'd you do this yeah. and then somebody seeing that moment given like the, the scope of the entire week, right. that, that 30 seconds of, of me being angry and going like, man, why is Sung such an angry dad? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, and then when you look at the Bible, the, the scope of human history that the Old Testament covers, it's not like it's all in there, <laughs> you know? Right. So there are other ways that God interacted with people and interacted with his people um, and nature that simply aren't there. Yeah, and I, I, I would say even going into this discussion, we should readily admit, yes, especially when you look at everything from uh, whether it's Facebook memes or 
Or uh, I still remember the days of when you got newspapers and there were Sunday morning cartoons mm-hmm. or, or Sunday cartoons there. You know, there's there's always cartoons that I've seen, whether it's the far side or whatever it is, where, where God is portrayed in a certain way where yeah. he's smiting people, <laughs> yeah. you know, or that he's throwing down a lightning bolt. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and even like uh, atheists or agnostics or just culture just portrays God in a way that I think accentuates mm. this idea that he is a vengeful, angry God, mm. which ag- again, in, in context, and we'll talk about this, is uh, not wrong. Um, not only that, but you, you have things like, when, when you think of an angry God, you e- even in, in the field of uh, property insurance, they have okay. something when when something uncontrollable. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an act of God, an act of God. Yeah, right. So when disaster strikes, right. But it is always disaster, <laughs> isn't it? Right. And what is it? It's an act of God, and so it, it just suggests that God is the cause mm. behind all this travesty and tragedy in the world, and and so, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I think first of all, let's just admit that it, it is disturbing. To, to see and read and hear about God who seems to be uh, telling us people to commit genocide or, or uh, again, I mean, I, I, I don't remember the, the reference, but there was one guy who cut up his daughter in, in many different parts yeah. and then sent them to all the, it's just like, man, like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't. There, there aren't cultural movies that are like no. <laughs> as disgusting no. as, that, as that. No. Uh, so I would say, yeah, like uh, we need to study both sides and read, like we were talking about, read the text within the context mm-hmm. of of when it was written. So I don't, I don't. Where do we begin? Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't even. I, I mean, I'm assuming you have some ideas, but I there, it's so there's so many places we could go, and we should say probably right, like like we did with the New Testament. If you a listener has a question specifically yeah. about something you read in the Old Testament, let us know. It was so great to yeah. have. Um, to know that we were discussing things that were actually like on your heart and mind. So yep. let us know. Sung, you have a number that you want me to text? 734. What's your phone number? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> 734-709-5742. Text me. Don't call me. So this is, again, Old Testament questions now. Old, Old Testament questions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing for us, uh, well, I'll start here. And maybe this, sometimes I forget this too, that the old, because there's sometimes a, uh, like a, a re- people feel this like repulsiveness towards the Old Testament, even mm. Christians. It's so, it's so barbaric. Uh, that was absolutely my experience reading through the Old Testament a couple of years ago. Okay. I, ju- I just, dr- I, be- I came to dread it. Because every, I was in some, I forget what section I was in, but I was, I was like, I just don't want to read about all of the violence that I know is coming. Yeah. You know, that was absolutely my experience. Yeah. The thing I, I think that I was reminded of is that the Old Testament was actually the scriptures that Jesus read. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he referred to, and, and he referred to the prophets and the law and the history and all, all that to describe God. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, and the basis of a lot of his sermons and talks were the yeah. Old Testament. So, uh, again, it's a matter of, yes, there are some of these things in there. I, I think we often throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. And um, um, 
I, you know, I, I, I'll just, I, I don't really know where to go. And in future episodes, we're going to dive into like the next episode. We're going to talk, we're going to specifically talk about uh, one passage where uh, I think in second Kings, where God strikes a guy named Uzzah dead because uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized God's presence. It was falling, yeah, right? And he put, stretched out his hand to catch it. Yeah. And God strikes him dead. Yeah. Well, and it's like, man, he's, what, what is he, like some angry, vengeful God right. who strikes people dead for not doing, right. Ro- like, the right thing? Well, look, so then let me then let me ask you, since we're kind of speaking broadly, let me ask you a broad question yep. about the Old Testament that has been on my mind. How much of, let's say, other people's perception of God do you think is colored by uh, Christians sort of... Taking Acting that way. Yeah, yes, or or <laughs> even or even or even um, sort of owning the the violent, angry aspects oh. of God's character yeah. and using that in defense of their own actions or beliefs. Yeah. Do you think that that's in the mix? Absolutely. Okay. And I would say th- this is why this is so important because your view of God, not only in the New Testament or through Jesus, but also in the Old Testament affects a number of things. One is how you approach God, Mm -hmm. because who wants to approach a God that's like, if you see him as angry and vengeful. Yeah. Like with one fist raised, just like ready to strike. And that, that affects your relationship with God. I think the other thing is like, if, if that's God, like I, I think that like you were talking about reading the old Testament, it'll get rid of any kind of desire or passion to read God's word. Mm -hmm. Or, or you just want to read it selectively. I, just, yeah. I, I can only handle the New Testament right. because I, I don't want to read the Old Testament. Right. Or even more, we might end up feeling justified in acting out in violence ourselves because it's simply yeah. like, well, I mean, that's what God did to, to sinners or that's what God did to uh, people who were disobedient <laughs> in the Old Testament. So we're just, we're just walking it out. Right, right. I mean, again, I think it's important to, to note that that is both true and not fully true. Um, and so, uh, but again, I, I just, sometimes I feel that when I, when I see, and I don't, I don't know who to pick on. So I'm going to be broad and paint with a broad strokes, which mm-hmm. I apologize for. But when I hear people sort of talk about like a vengeful God or, you know, yeah. preaching sort of hellfire and brimstone in some, in some ways, I'm like, ah, I mean, they're, they are taking aspects of God's character from the old Testament. Yeah. So what do we do with that? You know? Well, and, and this is why having a, uh, a fully, orbed view of God, which again, this side of heaven, we won't, we can't fully have. Yeah. But because, and that was my last point was that, uh, your image of God, uh, will be reflected in his followers Mm -hmm. and what they are like. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to sort this out in my head, (laughs) even Mm -hmm. as I talk. So (laughs) if God is this God of pure violence and rage and vengeance, that, that demeans women and is racist against like Gentiles, right? And you believe that is at the core mm. of who God is. Um, and that there's no justifiable reason for why he would be angry. Yeah. You're, you're, you're as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you're, you're going to reflect that character. Mm. Um, and I think as Christians, uh, hopefully most of us look at that and go like, Oh, that is just such a not, not a good reflection of who God is. Yeah. Why do you think people are drawn to that? That because again, I would say that many people who are critical of Christianity, which is more people than not, yeah. If we're looking across the world, let's say, um, you know, 
Oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, here it is. People that are critical of, of Christianity would say that that is sort of how a lot of people are demonstrating yeah what they believe why why are people why are people drawn to that why are christians drawn to sort of engaging with that aspect of god's character <laughs> that's a good question i mean you'd have to ask them but I, I would guess if i had to guess one of it is um and this is true not only in religion and faith but also politics when there's a clear enemy oh yep it gives you purpose and meaning and it galvanizes followers yeah oh. In fact, I read a book, I don't remember where I read it, but just uh, sometime this fall, I read, it was like uh, uh, some sort of psychology book, but they, they were talking about that, that mm. actually people who, who uh, uh, unfortunately, when you have an articulated enemy, an opponent, it actually gives you more meaning in life. I mean, Hitler did that with the Jews. Absolutely. You know, he literally created an enemy for, for the German people to rally around. Yeah. And so I, I think as Christians, especially if there's a call to be holy and all, all this kind of stuff, like what, what might seem like a clear, simple way to identify the enemy, which is not the right enemy because mm. Scripture t- tells us we have this invisible enemy, and we want to make culture and non-Christians the enemy when mm. they're not the enemy. They're people to be loved, right? right. Not enemies to be attacked and persecuted and hated upon but in some ways it gives people purpose it's yeah. sort of galvanized it gives sort of a cause or it or like you said a common enemy to sort of rally around yeah. and so it's a way of yeah it's a, it's sort of a it's a way of like the ends justifying the means yep. a little bit it's just like we're, we want people to live holy lives so we're going to sort of demonize this group or this type of culture or this, you know, and in order to get people living the way that the Bible says they should. Yeah. I mean, isn't that true in politics? Yeah. Like, uh, the angriest people I know are uh, decidedly on one side or the other. Yeah. And those who are kind of more moderate, yes, they're angry, but they're frustrated angry. Right. And not angry at the people Mm. And, and the people on either side I, I mean, the most vitriolic people are, are like they are decidedly in one camp or the yeah. other. Yeah. And so the same thing is true. And, and I think, uh, again, the watching world, atheists, agnostics pick up on that and say, oh, that's Christianity. I've, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, so, I mean, there's we're, this is going to be a very nuanced conversation yeah. where we've already talked about how sort of complicated this is. You have another issue you want to dive into, or do you want to? You want to? We've been going for about twenty three minutes. Okay. Do you want to? Yeah. No. The, the, uh, we'll we'll dive into this a lot more in the next episode. But I, I will I'll uh, say this: <laughs> Is the God of the Old Testament angry? Yes. Hmm. Is the God of the Old Testament loving? Yes. Is the God of the New Testament angry? Yes. Is the God of the New Testament loving? Yes. Um, and, and you can imagine, because we get angry, yeah. uh, and there are righteous w- reasons to be angry. Uh, we're going to dive into that next uh, time as we look at um, kind of God and how he treats uh, some of the circumstances and people mm-hmm. in the Old Testament next week. It's good. It's good. I'm looking forward to it. And I can tell you that as a person who struggled with anger myself, <laughs> I found myself both angry and loving at the same <laughs> time. I don't always do it right, but uh, but I certainly, I think we can all experience that we live in that tension. Yes. Um, in in other words, both of those things can be true. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're going to 
I guess, sort of talk about how that can be true with God as well. Yeah, and uh, one last thing, because that's such a good point. You would not be angry if you did not care about that relationship. Mm. Mm. You would just be apathetic. Yeah. But because you care so much about your family or your friends, like there's a re and again, there we demonstrate godly anger and a lot of ungodly yeah. anger. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. But just to say, we often associate anger with kind of the fly off the handle, mm. no reason kind of anger. Uh, we're going to see something different with God in the Old Testament. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope that you will come back next week as we begin to dive into the Old Testament here on Rhythms of Grace.